Hey fellow writers, Cherry here. If you're interested in snagging yourself a copy of Scrivener, the ultimate novel writing software for Windows and Mac OS, we can hook you up with a 20% discount. Details at the end of the show. write some lyrics to that <laughs> i could do that I, yeah i think i think we should and then we all like part of the when we open the show we should all start singing <laughs> yeah well, you don't want me to do that now <laughs> i think that would be awesome uh more, the more off key the better hey all you listeners out there this is the writer's tavern with jerry and melanie and today we're being joined by william ledbetter who is a Nebula award-winning author with more than 70 speculative fiction stories and nonfiction articles published in four languages in markets such as Asmos, Fantasy and Science Fiction, Analog, Escape Pod, Bayon.com, uh, S- and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm actually reading his website right now. <laughs> I He's thought also, it familiar. <laughs> I know. You probably wrote it. <laughs> And he's been a long, long time good friend of ours. And welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot. I appreciate uh, getting to come in. This is uh, this is awesome. I'm glad you guys are are doing this. This is a fun thing. We're going to try to see if it works. And if it doesn't work, we'll shut it down. But uh, hopefully, it works. And so, uh, you listeners out there, please give us five stars, and or <laughs> don't send. <laughs> can't shut it down i need a place to vent okay i i thought i would because bill i haven't really talked to you for a long time and there's one thing i I do want to ask what is it like to win a nebula that must have been amazing (laughs) it was it was pretty cool I, i i i can't deny it um I was convinced I'd read the other uh, novelettes that were uh, nominated and I was convinced that I didn't have a prayer and I was still like flabbergasted and, and amazed that I was even nominated. Um, but so when they called my name, I was like leaning back in my chair with my arm around my wife and just kind of listening to see who was going to win. And I was shocked to death. (laughs) 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 And, uh, but it was it was an amazing thing, and it's it's had a really good impact on my career. Um, I, I think I don't think that you know my writing has. I mean, I've you know I I continuously strive to improve, but I don't know that my writing has got that much better. But it just seems that I've got more uh, people paying attention to it, my writing now. So um, so I, I guess it, it just opens up doors and gives you know gives me more. Um, uh, opportunities than I probably would have hadn't had I not won. So yeah, it's been a great thing. And and uh, and when I when I go on the website and look through the list of the people who have won nebulas over the years, it's just it just boggles my mind that I'm on that list with with all those amazing writers that 
I grew up reading and, and idolizing. So, <laughs> Well, there's, there's, um, uh, something that Gloria said at one point uh, a long time ago that has always stuck with me. Um, and, and it kind of applies to you. You've now joined the cool kids club. <laughs> and he still hangs out with us, which is amazing. I know <laughs> you haven't forgot your old friends back in the the hood. Oh man. Our writer group is the cool kids. <laughs> forgotten the little people, <laughs> the, the little people who, who still hang on your coattails. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I guess a, a nebula is kind of like you've got the PhD of science fiction. I, um, well, you know, it kind of, uh, I don't know. It, it kind of gives me some street cred, I guess. I don't know. It's like, he really is a science fiction writer. <laughs> I know, huh? Um, and when also, you know, it, it, forever, it was my, um, it was my goal to get into fantasy and science fiction. And I never have. Uh, even though I, I kept trying until I finally gave up. Um, but that must be really neat to, I mean, it's really neat for me to pick it up in the bookstore and go, I know this dude. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I hung out at coffee shops and, and wrote together, you know? Well, I think one of the things that makes it even more cool is that you, you look at the stats on it and it's like, I don't know, it's like 0.6 of the, of submissions. I mean, in, you know, in like, say like duotrope and, 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 um, and the grinder, you know, where people keep track of this stuff, there's just a very short, you know, very, very small number of the submissions ever sent in or ever purchased. So it really makes me feel special that, that I've managed to, uh, to sell. I, I've had five stories in, in FNSF now. So uh, wow. it, it really makes me feel kind of special that knowing that um that i've honed my my craft to the point where i can at least sell on a fairly regular basis now <laughs> and uh and people like what i write and people enjoy reading it so it it makes it kind of worth all the effort uh, when i when i know that people are uh, uh reading it and and uh looking for my stuff to read that kind of thing so well, you also have a novel, Level 5, that came out as an Audible original, which I didn't even know existed, and that's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been incredibly successful. I've sold about 30,000 copies so far. And, oh, nice. But, uh, that is nice. But oddly enough, it's still only in audio. You know, I had a, uh, there was kind of an, exclus an exclusion uh, in the contract that in, that stopped me from uh, bring it out in any other format uh, for the first six months, but that that's passed now. So I'm hoping to eventually get it out in print, but yeah. Are you, you, you going to go traditional or are you going to just go ahead and do the, the Amazon thing? You know, I, um, I'm not sure. I'm, Jerry, I'm going to Jerry the formal term is indie publishing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the yeah, Amazon I, thing. <laughs> no. Okay. okay I, all right. I may beg Melanie to help me and, and just print it myself. But, but my agent seems, seems to think that I, that there's still some chance that I, that he can get me a print deal on it. So uh, the print, you know, uh, you know, the print rights are still available. So I'm going to, I'm going to let him uh, run with it for a little while longer before I do that. But yeah, the, the whole audible thing for people who aren't familiar with it was, it was really interesting because they basically work like a traditional publishing house you know, they give you an advance, you get royalties every quarter, 
they they hire the narrator, they hire the cover artist, and seeing as where it's one of you know an Audible Originals is actually one of you know their productions, they really go out of the way to market it heavily and uh, um, make sure that it it gets seen and and listened to. So uh, it's been a really good experience, and I mean because it feels like working with a big publishing house, even though it's only in. Uh, it's only an audio, so. I don't want to hog the microphone. Melody, you got some questions you want to ask Bill? Yeah, well, basically, uh, your sequel, Level 6, is, I believe, it, it's been sold now to Audible, hasn't it? Yes, yes, it's been sold. Oh. It's gone through the editing process, and and uh, it's it's out of my hands now. It's it's uh, uh, I've already talked to the narrator once. And he's getting ready to read it, so um, that hopefully it will be available in December. So, okay. and and the thing is, we've actually kind of given the, uh, there's two books so far, but but we've given it a series name, and it's called the Kill Day series, and that's a reference to something in the second book. So, and uh, so hopefully, my intent is to write another, at least one more, maybe two more in the series, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but I have enough material and enough uh, plot in my head. I think that uh, I have I have plenty for two more books. So we'll see. Nice. Any other books? Any other books um, on the horizon or that you've been working on that are are separate from these this series? I have various novels that are in 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 various stages of completion. Um, and I'm also I also just recently put together uh, a collection of my short fiction that I'm going to try. Uh, to sell that as well. But yeah, no, nothing, uh, no novels that I'm actively working on to sell. Uh, I did kind of come up with a series idea that will take place about a hundred years after this current one that I'm working on. Um, so I may pursue that. I think I, I, I'm really liking the ideas that I'm coming up with and I'm jotting them down as rapidly as I can. So we'll see if it it has legs and takes off and becomes a series or not, but uh, but that's the plan at this point. <laughs> I got to Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say one of the things we talk about on the podcast is is craft and technique and things like that. And I was just kind of wondering if you could tell our listeners what is your writing process. Yeah, well, um, and it is, um, and it's every, it's different for everybody. But for me, I, I've got it kind of honed down to a to a specific process that I use. And I've been getting up early and writing before going to my day job for, gosh, for, you know, 15 to 20 I, years. Somewhere I remember that, that. Yeah. You get yeah. up like four in the morning. Yeah. Yes, I do. And, and the thing, the thing is, even with, uh, even with COVID and me working at the day job, working at home remotely, I still, uh, when I have a project that I'm working actively on, I get up and I write every day and then I'm still sitting in the same chair and then I switch over and, and <laughs> start doing the day job. But so, yeah, that's, you know, I think, I think being able to kind of flip that mental switch, it's like, okay, it's time to write. And, and, and then I just pick up where I let off, left off pretty much the day before. And, you know, I actually kind of do, and we've, we've had this discussion before in our writers group, I, I kind of do the, Hemingway thing where I'll go back a page or two and I'll start editing my way forward again. And then by the time I get back to, you know, where there's blank page, I'm back in the groove and it, it comes real easily. 
and then, like I said, I, um, like I said earlier, I send everything I write through my writer's group. And so, you know, I'll write it and then I'll give it a, an editing pass and then I'll send it through the writing group and I'll edit it again. And then I have another handful of beta readers that we swap uh, stories to critique and I'll give that next version to them. And after I get the feedback from them, then it's ready. Uh, I'll edit it one more time and then I'll send it out. So there's a lot of editing involved and, and I, I like oh, to yeah. kind of, I like to kind of say that the editing is where the magic happens. You know, that's where the real story comes out because I've been, there have been times uh, and we, we have this discussion before. There's been times when I've taken a, uh, I've had a story that just really, I wasn't sure what it was about until after it was written. And then I'll, you know, I'll get feedback from my writer's group and I'll cut away two thirds of it and just keep the core and I'll rewrite it around that. And it almost always turns out better when I, when I do that. So I'm not afraid to really heavily edit and, and, you know, it kind of puzzles me or I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed really that some of these people can just sit down and write something out without getting any kind of feedback and just, you know, write it out and then they'll just send it, you know, boom. And, and, and I'm thinking that if that works for them, that's obvious. Cause I, I mean, awesome because I'm jealous if it, it does, but if it's not working, then maybe start, you know, maybe they should take a little more time and, and try to get some uh, feedback on it and, and take some time to edit it and polish it up and make it the best that you absolutely can before you send it out, because that's been very successful for me. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I, I just was going to say, yeah, I've run into that before where I, I know writers who finish a, a manuscript and they send it immediately off to the editor. And I'm sitting there thinking, I know what your writing is like. You really shouldn't be doing this. You really do need to go through and have someone have a separate set of eyes look at it because that gives you a really good look into the core of the story, making sure it works. Because I, every writer, we overlook things because we know the story in our head and our brain, magical organ that it is, manages to plug those holes without actually putting it on the page. <laughs> That's true. I and mean, then, it's all, it's all yeah. perfectly clear to us. Yeah. Somebody else reading it is like, well, you know, this part didn't make any sense. And I don't believe that that guy would really react this way and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, 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 um, uh, let me go fix that. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> I, I do not. There are people who can edit in their head and what they put on the page is perfect. They are very, very few and far between, though, I think. Yeah, the those, are, us, yeah. those are people I'm jealous of, yeah. <laughs> the rest would, of us normal humans, we need to edit. I, I would say everybody needs an editor. I would think uh, even the people who, well, I don't know for sure, but I, I suspect, I know, I know even the most successful writers out there who are like, who won the lotto and who are on the bestseller lists, their stuff is heavily edited by professionals who have made it so much better. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. That so they're the they're the they're the magic in that soup. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but if you have these heavy hitting pros like, you know, King, although I kind of wonder if anyone's been editing his stuff, you know, in the last couple of years. But I mean people like that, if if they have their work edited, yeah, you need your work edited too. And it, it's not it doesn't mean that you're not a real writer and it's not cheating or anything. It's simply a way of making your work better. 
Yeah. As you guys taught me in the writer's group, uh, by the way, listeners, uh, we, I used to belong to the same writer's group they're in, and it is one of the best, I'm going to say this, I, I think it's one of the best writer groups in the country, and it has produced some really good writers, and uh, they taught me so much, and most of it was, I need an editor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need a beta reader. Well, I mean, do you guys realize that Future Classics has been around now for 19 years? Yeah. It's old yeah. enough to vote. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It can not drive. Quite enough, not quite old enough to drink, though. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be long. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's in certain states, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, are you a plotter or a pantser? Mine, I'm kind of right in the middle uh, with novel. Well, with short fiction, I, it's it's totally pantsing. I, I wait until I get the story complete in my head before I start writing it. So I pretty much work out all the kinks that way. Well, I work out the major plot that way. But when I write a novel, I, I tend to think and write in scenes. And so I'll sit down with like Scrivener. I, I love Scrivener. And um, I'll just basically make a list of scenes that I know are going to be in a novel. And I'll, once I get that down and then I'll start working at the beginning and working my way through. And as, and, and inevitably as I progress, I'll think it's like, Oh, I'm going to need a scene to show this and I'm going to need this and this. So each of those scenes is actually a, an open text document. And I just go in there and type, you know, like bits and pieces of dialogue or, or descriptive phrases or things that it's like, Oh, um, I need to make sure this chapter or in this scene that it does that and this and, and so on. And then I, then I can move those scenes around and into different chapters and stuff like that. Cause Scrivener makes it very easy to do that. Um, before Scrivener, I actually did the same thing with, with, with word, uh, because I had separate documents for each, which he, for each chapter for a while. And man, that was hard to work with. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, you know, I compartmentalize a story that way by scenes. And, um, so that's the way I work. I just basically make a list of scenes that I know I'm going to need. And then I start going in and filling those in as I go, but I don't make a detailed outline, you know, with all the details of the, uh, of, of the plot or anything like that. Um, if, if you're listening Scrivener, this, um, <laughs> you don't have to pay us for what we're talking about now, but in the future, it you can, you could please feel free to sponsor us. We're open to it. Okay. I'll just put it, put that there. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, all three of us use it. So I really, and, and, and I try not to use it and I always come back to it because I, I find out that the, features that I was looking for and other things were already in Scrivener. They're there. <laughs> yes. They're there. If you look for them, figure it out. Yeah. So, um, you're, uh, I like to call I know you don't like this, but I, I always tell my friends you're a rocket scientist, <laughs> but, but you have worked on things that are on the international space station. You're an engineer. Uh, you've been in aerospace all your life. You're, to me, you're a rocket scientist, but I, I have to, and I know you play games. I was wondering, and this is completely off the wall. Do you, have you ever played No Man's Sky? Yes, I have. Um, I, I, I played it for quite a while and then I kind of got, I, then I kind of put it on the shelf for a while and never got back to it, but, but it's, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun and it, I love the, you know, the exploration aspect of it. Yeah. 
when they added base building to it, it sucked me in so hard. And they, in fact, uh, this, this week they're coming out with another big release. They keep on adding it up to it. But the problem I have with it is it takes my time and creativity away from writing. <laughs> yes. Because video games I, are, are, do, are known to do that. Yes. Well, especially that one. Cause the whole thing's designed to look like a really cool science fiction book cover. I mean, that was what they're going for from the, like the seventies and why am I going to spend all the time and effort to write something science fiction-y if I could just go live it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That becomes an issue. It definitely does. Yeah. So I need to back away from that again is all I'm saying. <laughs> this is why I don't game because I know myself, I know the way I, I work and I would never get another damn word of writing in again. So I, I just, I don't even start it. It's like, just say no, just say no. <laughs> I even tried to do game streaming for a while and I'm like, this is pointless. What am I doing? <laughs> I thought, I thought maybe, okay, if I get a big following and everything and everybody knows I'm a science fiction writer, maybe it'll lead to more sales. No, they don't give a shit. They don't want to read. They yeah. want to watch you play your game on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's a, that was a dead end. Nice try though. <laughs> I know. That so, sounds like it would be fun to do anyway, but <laughs> yeah, we, we, we should all get together in, in uh, no man's sky. Cause you know, it's multiplayer now and we could like actually go and explore stuff and then never have to write again. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, I know there, there goes the retirement plan. I am looking at my glasses at you right now. Okay. I, I have my brand new sexy librarian glasses. Imagine me glaring at you over them right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm still thinking about you saying magic organ. <laughs> well, it is one of the magic organs in the human body. So it, it is so magic. Yeah. So anyway, uh, do you, when, when you're, how do you market your stuff, Bill? I mean, do you have any secrets you could share? Um, or, or do you just like hand it to the publisher and they just do it all for you, which is my dream. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't really got too much on the independent publishing bandwagon. So almost everything, um, almost everything I've published has been through, uh, traditional publishing of one kind or another. So, you know, they handle all of that and I'm perfectly willing to, to just kind of hands off. But I, I do kind of like try to, um, you know, I do use social media and, and keep, try to keep my friends and, and fans and family up to date on what I have coming out and how to find it. And, and when I'm going to be at a convention or a, a conference or have a book signing or something like that, I always try to make sure uh, that that information is easily available and easy to find so that, you know, should somebody want, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to come and meet me or something there, there's know ample how. opportunity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys uh, participate in that, that recent uh, online uh, science fiction uh, convention? What was that? Ar Armadillocon, wasn't it? Yes, I was on, I was on there. Yeah. What, what was that? Cause I mean, they actually invited me in and I was, I couldn't make it and, and, cause I kept on saying, I wish I could go. And they said, dude, it's online. Come on in. Yes. 
<laughs> and I was just, I was already booked for other, other things so I can do it. So I was just wondering if you, if you went to that and what was it like? Was it as boring as the convention that I had to go to for work that happened at the same time? Um, well, probably not that like that. No, um, actually it worked out pretty well. Um, there were a few glitches, like for example, Michelle had, uh, uh, she had a panel and her, and this, uh, uh, tool they were using for, um, uh, the web video, um, was, was very much of a resource hog and her computer kept, uh, bogging down and locking up and crashing and stuff while she was trying to, <laughs> um, yikes to talk. So, so, you know, it, it was, it was technology issues occasionally, but, but I've been, I've been this year, I've been to about four different online uh, cons and they've actually worked pretty well. Um, you know, uh, and one of the advantages to that is people who have a difficult time traveling either because of the money or because of their mobility issues or things like that, uh, they can still participate. Whereas a regular con, they, they really don't have much uh, opportunity to do that. And like, for example, Worldcon was in uh, New Zealand this year. And uh, I was actually planning to go. Um, I planned my, <laughs> my vacations around some of these. And uh, I was actually planning to go, but, but since it ended up being uh, a, a video conference, there were a lot of people who weren't going to be able to afford to go down for the actual uh, con, uh, but were able to participate uh, because it was online. And so yeah, it's a lot of good things. Now one of the one of the big problems is for me is the most fun of going to a con is getting to hang out with my friends, you know, getting to go out to dinner and sit in the bar and talk and uh, you know the the hallway conversations and and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, of course, all that was missing. So it was basically just the um, for the most part, it's just the uh, panels. Though they did kind of try to set up some. Uh, you know, online bar areas where you could go and talk to people. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was always the best part to me oh, when I was like, yeah. you guys was just hanging out at the bar afterwards. And oh, I've met so many awesome people that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, we were having lunch with um, Bruce Sterling. I think it was. Yeah. And uh, all he really wanted to talk about was uh, girl rock and roll groups. And I wanted to talk about science fiction. And he was like, <laughs> not interested. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, people have wide and varied interests. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've discovered as I get older, I get less interested in talking about writing itself. But I'm more, I am still interested in things like what, what software do you use and, you know, and how do you do this and what are you using for your website and, you know, and the kind of the peripheral things or, or, you know, how did you get your, you know, how do you form your protagonists and stuff like that, but less writerly, writerly things. Yeah. Whereas I remember when I was younger, that's all I wanted to talk about. And ironically, we're doing a podcast. I know, but this is different because this is a far ranging thing. We're talking about video games and shit. <laughs> this is the bar conversation. Yeah, true, true, we, true. We're in the writer's tavern right now. Yeah, that's true. So, that is true. Kind of hanging out, talking about stuff. And yeah, 
Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm just drinking coffee right now because I uh, earlier today um, we have a local pub and uh, they're doing very well with um, with uh, physical distancing in the pub. And they brew their own beer there and they came out with this garlic beer, this really. And oh, it is. It is like really good, man. (laughs) And I couldn't say no. So we had to go and get a growler and then hang around and, you know our own little table far, far away from everybody else. But the, uh, the bartenders are um, really fun. I, I, that would be my writer's tavern right there. <laughs> so we have to, we have to bring that here somehow. So everybody grab a beer. <laughs> <laughs> or your favorite adult beverage. It yeah. doesn't have to be beer. Or whatever pills you want to take. <laughs> or if, if you are, or if you're in a state where it's legal, you know, break out the 420. That's that would be here. <laughs> yeah, not here, unfortunately. I wish. No, uh, you know, I I think if I did that, it would be just me going, "Wow, man." <laughs> you know, for for me, I'm not. I I subscribe to Harlan Ellison's idea about this. My own resting brain chemistry is interesting enough. I don't really need to elevate it anymore, but I am very interested in the pain retarding properties of THC. So I I I wouldn't mind having a gummy that I could toss down at night and just sleep all night. So, well, we'll talk about that after we've hit uh, stop recording. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me. I've been getting all kinds of good information from my sister on that. So, okay. Because, oh yeah, that's right. She lives in the state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, cause I'll tell you what, I found some pills that will put me to sleep. And, and it's funny too, because I, I would take them. I'm like, well, this isn't doing anything. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm kind of sleepy. That's fine. Okay. And then I'll go to sleep and then like lightning or something will wake me up like an hour or two later. And I am stoned out of my gourd. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's, it's, it, but I mean, I'm like, then the next day I'm like, I'm still stoned, man. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's the whole problem with, um, you know, gummies and things like that. I've been yeah. told if you take one, nibble it, nibble yeah. the edge. Do not. Yeah. Cause you, you will regret it. If you just, you know, chick, toss the whole damn thing down like a gummy bear. It's like, oh, well, these, okay. Good to know. These you don't are... want to a bag full of them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> you have, that you have would to... be a bad, but you know what? Some people who are like, who have been doing it a while you would have to like my friend dan out in uh, california california it's well he's been doing it before it was legal so i mean their resistance to the thc is they got to take 10 times as much as i do yeah they got a tolerance they've got a tolerance to it yeah but the the stuff i'm taking it's uh it's got thc in it but it's really heavy on the cbd part Mm -hmm. and I, that, that's the one that sticks around with me to the point where I'm the next day, just too relaxed to do anything. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this with my bad knee, uh, having CBD oil, even though it doesn't have any THC in it has been a godsend because that stuff has actually kept me walking for the last two years. Oh yeah. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully I'm going in very soon for the knee surgery replacement. Um, knee replacement surgery. Let's get that straight, Melanie. But, edit, um, edit, edit, edit. Yeah. But, but up until then, I mean, 
two two years ago i was in such pain i simply couldn't walk i didn't know what to do um and and i was doing some research online and it turned out there was a dispensary in dallas i thought okay screw it i'm driving down there i'm gonna try it got a bottle they told me what to do they told me how to you know ramp up my dosage that afternoon i got it in the morning that afternoon i was able to walk oh yeah this stuff's really good yeah yeah it's, it's got it's, sense. It sucks that it was illegal for the wrong reasons for so long. Oh, I know. I know. But uh, I, I would never take that and try to write. It would just wouldn't work. You know, I, <laughs> I, I drink while I write a lot. Uh, I'll drink absinthe and um, I'll drink a coffee with like beer or something. And because that'll loosen me up and wire me at the same time. But at least I'm lucid. This yeah. stuff just like I'm shut down. But you know what I can do? I could do artwork on it. I could sit there and, you know, and like do Photoshop and do anything visual, but the language processing is gone. It's just, it went to sleep. It went to Dallas. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of here. It's out of here. Yeah. It's on the last plane. Yeah. So. I'm boring. And, I, I really, I am so boring. It's, it's like all of my friends have tried interesting things and they look at me and I said, eh, no, try, sorry. If you, if you like, if you like licorice, try absinthe. Oh, sweetie, you know that I drink absinthe on the oh, well, There you go. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, they, I'm, I'm almost 60. My brain is, the memory is starting to. Oh, I just, no, no, no. There's, there's a bottle of lucid downstairs right now. And <laughs> what, you know, when I need a little break, cause for me, absinthe works almost like an antidepressant. It, it relaxes me and it just makes me feel a lot better without feeling drunk. So I, yeah. I make myself a, a glass of absinthe and I'm good for the rest of the night. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. And and dear listeners who are not really familiar or or might think uh, believe some of the myths, it does not make you hallucinate. No, it, no, it doesn't. Excuse me, I burped. It um, that was the garlic beer <laughs> coming back. Up. No, it's so it, you don't hallucinate. You don't uh, you don't see green fairies. You might write about them, uh, and I have, but um, it, all it does is it. Um, it's it's an alcohol that is a stimulant instead of a depressant, and that's the only thing it is. So it, it also tastes really good if you like licorice. So if you like licorice, yeah. yeah. Uh, I but I don't want to turn this into my absence <laughs> podcast. <laughs> let's, let's. I have a whole other podcast that's nothing but that stuff. And, poor, and poor you all Bill's... are welcome. You're welcome <laughs> to join. <laughs> poor Bill is just sitting there like, what? Uh, uh, what? <laughs> what about me? <laughs> I thought I was a guest. Yeah. So oh, do I, you... I've done plenty of talking so far. So, <laughs> well, do you, uh, how, like, I could, I could, uh, we could ask you this. And uh, I, I th- think you only like drink coffee when you write, right? Or do you actually try, look, with a shot of, whiskey or something well usually you know like i've been i usually well, just it, drink coffee yeah because it's early yeah if you're yeah and, if you're yeah if especially you're, if it's four in the morning you're probably not gonna right yeah, God, I yeah hope not. if i'm on my way to work that wouldn't work out very well so uh <laughs> hey hey boss i got an idea it'll be great trust me 
but I have been known to write with a little uh, with a little bourbon here and there. So, <laughs> oh, I've fallen in love with bourbon again. Yeah, me too. Oh gosh, I I had to get it out of the house for a little while. Well, it doesn't help. I have a good writer friend who's uh, her and her husband are part owners of a distillery down in uh, 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 San Antonio, uh, and uh, Karen Rylander. And uh, they make some excellent bourbon. They've won some uh, awards for it. And it's like, so it's like I come, <laughs> it seems like every time I go down to San Antonio, I come back with two or three bottles. And uh, <laughs> Oh, nice. So, um, yeah. So not, but not only do I drink theirs, I mean, I, you know, I drink, you know, like several other kinds, but yeah. Now, now me, I'm much more of a Scotch girl, single malt, specifically Belvini. Give me Belvini and I'm happy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like scotch. I just, I've just, I don't know, just last, I don't know, five, six years, I've really picked up, started drinking a lot more bourbon. So. I, I had a couple of, of bad experiences with bourbon in college. So that kind of, <laughs> that, yeah, that the, was me. The sense memory of that is like, mm, do you really want to do this again? Really? Really? Cause I think, like it, tequila. <laughs> I think you threw up your toenails last time, Mel. So well, you might just want to stick with the Belvini. Yeah, I that that was me too. I I we used to in college we would play a game called cowboy, and basically it was just taking shots of bourbon until oh one day I was I went out and I got sick in this person's uh, parents' back garden and they said nothing would grow there for years. Oh my god! <laughs> and only like a couple years ago have I been able to even smell it you know, without feeling bleh. And then suddenly I loved it again. It was weird. It was like it flipped a switch somewhere. Like that, that brain cell that didn't like it died finally. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and that now I can enjoy it again, I guess. <laughs> okay. I've got to tell you guys about something that is really cool, especially for all the indie authors out there. Remember it's indie authors, not the Amazon thing. So that Amazon Jerry, thing. Okay. Jerry, Jesus. Okay. Um, I belong to a group on Facebook called um, 20 Books to 50K, and it's essentially a group of independent authors who are dedicated to not only becoming good at the craft, but actually making decent money at it. And they have a whole bunch of superb suggestions about how to do promo, how to do marketing, how to broaden your audience, how to bring in people to your newsletters, things like that. Well, one of the things that they had suggested was something called a reader magnet. And you say, what's a reader magnet? I, I don't think I talked about this on the last show. No. It's, it's basically a short story that ties into one of your existing books and you use it as a teaser. Now you could do a number of things with this. You could put it out there and have people. What I do is I put it on BookFunnel, BookFunnel.com, and I set up two different landing pages for it. One landing page, you just download it. Bingo, bingo, bongo, automatically. That goes to my newsletter subscribers. The other page, they will ask you to enter your name and your email address and say, are you willing to sign up for Nicola's? news group. And if you say yes, then boom, you download the story. So that's a way of building my newsletter. 
and it's it's worked because I've actually been adding people steadily all week to my newsletter since I made a, a short story related to Shadow of the Swan available last weekend. But then I read some more advice that struck me as very, very wise. And they said, well, yeah, you can do that. But let's be perfectly honest, not everybody likes to sign up to newsletters, but they still want to read stuff like that. And you don't want them pirating it because that sucks. Pirates, book pirates, you blow, okay? So what you do is you format it and you put it on Amazon for 99 cents and just leave it up there. And oh. it's a win-win situation for you because if people can't even afford 99 cents, all they have to do is go sign up to your newsletter. Boom, they get it for free. If they don't want to sign up to your newsletter, boom, they go on Amazon, download it. Everyone's happy. And you've made 35 cents off the deal. That's what I like about Amazon is they, you get the lion's share of the money. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. I mean, for a, a 99 cent sale, you only get 35% of, of it. So that's like 35 cents. And if you, anything above that, you're going to get 70%. But it, it's great because not only have I grown my newsletter subscriber list this week to, to a degree that I've never seen before. I'm also selling the damn store short stories on Amazon because I put out a second one that ties into my re-release of deep water, which is my third book in the Olympic Cove series. People are buying that people are buying a gentle fall of snow, which is the short story for, for, um, the shadow of the swan, basically because everyone loves the cover for it. So I'm just thinking, you know what, from now on, I'm doing that with every story. I'm going to write a short story that ties into it somehow, maybe a prologue, maybe a holiday scene, something like that. And I will release it from now on. I'm going to release it before I release the book as a teaser to get people interested. What is it about the story that I like? I want to see more of these characters and then put a link at the back of the book that takes them to the Amazon page and then they can order the full length book. Well, good. Send it through our group. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not a problem. I can definitely do that. Well, I'm, I'm going to be writing something for King of Blades, which is my current project at the moment. Right now it's called a small favor. And once that's done, I, yeah, I'll send it through the group. So what are you doing, Bill? Well, I, uh, you know, since I turned in uh, level six, um, I've been kind of playing around with, you know, the synopsis for the next book, but also I've been working on some short fiction. I've uh, finished two short stories since then. And one of them is a sequel to the, to the uh, story that won the Nebula award, uh, the long fall up. It's a sequel for that. And I'm, uh, uh, that, I'm that's I'm the one of, about the baby in space thing. Yeah. 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 So, I like that story by the way. Well, thank you. Thanks. Uh, yeah. And, so anyway, uh, I've had other people it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, there's, there's a couple things. I, I really want to know what happened to the ship's AI and I really want to know this and that. So I kind of built on, on that feedback from people in, in, in writing this sequel. So um, I'm still working on it, uh, still in the editing phase that I mentioned earlier, uh, but hopefully I, I can sell it uh, and hopefully to FNSF. So uh, since they published the first one. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be nice if that was another nebula nominee or winner even oh, better yeah yeah that's kind of like a lightning strike i'm not going to hold my breath but <laughs> hey why why hey nk uh, jemison won three nebulas in a, in a row for books in the same series yeah that's true that is true i mean yeah. it can happen for sure um 
And then I have some other just off the cuff, uh, and this is another AI story, but it's just a short story that uh, that's sitting in the group's queue right now to critique for our next meeting. So, um, well, I'll be reading that tonight. I'm that's, sure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, now, Jerry, do you want me to move you back from uh, emeritus status to active member? I I don't know uh, because I I won't be able to jo- uh, join in. Um, after the pandemic's over, I mean, because you guys are going to go back to uh, in, in-person in meetings, right? Well, hell, we can always just set up a laptop. <laughs> yes, we could. <laughs> yes, we could, actually. I, I, I could be like, um, oh, oh. Um, Sheldon. Uh, and- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Max Headroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm J- 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 Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Man, now you're getting now you're giving away your age when you're talking about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and all the Zoomers are going, "Who's Max Headroom?" Yeah, well, you look, need to go look it up. <laughs> look it up. Max Headroom was funny. That's a science. I, mean, I would think. So. Well, this isn't. This is a writer's tavern. It isn't science fiction writer's tavern. So we can't really expect everybody to be science fiction writers or, or readers or to. Yeah, what I said. Um. <laughs> Articulate as always, darling. <laughs> you know, that's that's why I write and don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I Trust me, I do it for the same reason. I get it. Yes. You know, um, what was it? Uh, in, in another podcast, I actually uh, pointed it out. I said, what is the difference between when I'm reading a script or when I'm just talking off the top of my head? Well, you can tell because if I'm reading a script, I'm not stuttering. <laughs> you know? Yes. And and I'm not saying um 5,000 times. Oh, right. I know. I know. <laughs> Although through the magic of editing, I get rid of a lot of those. <laughs> so it all sounds great. Yeah. And I suddenly need, you sound like a radio professional. I need to develop an AI that actually just goes through and deletes the ums. <laughs> Just goes through. It's a filter. <laughs> when I go back and listen to uh, recorded things that I've done, I usually have things in there like, you know, I say, you know, a lot. It's like <laughs> bugs the crap out of me when I <laughs> when I go back and listen to it. So I try to work on those things. I I, uh, I always kind of fall back into my California roots and go, dude, man, <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the you know is is my Midwestern roots. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> what well, when I lived in Texas with y'all, I actually <laughs> used y'all because I thought it was a really handy thing. It was I just accepted it. I'm like, I'm going to embrace y'all, and all y'all can yeah. be in my group. <laughs> you know, they are useful phrases. I'm they sorry are they are. I catch myself using them now, and people look at me. I'm like, hey, I used to live in Texas. <laughs> Oh That's God! The, like, fir- the first time I talked to my sister and used y'all. <gasps> What's I can wrong imagine. with you? You're from Chicago. Stop it! <laughs> Sorry. You guys gotta yeah. stop using y'all. <laughs> I sound like a Californian saying that too. That's yeah, you do. Wow. Of- okay. <laughs> that was a that was an interesting mix of three different dialects. <laughs> Oh 
my, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the more you move around, you put, you pick up phrases from here and there. I mean, I still use phrases from my, when I lived in England, you know, 25 years ago. So it's what happens. You know, when I'm, when I'm writing dialogue, actually, and I have to go back in and edit it later, I have to take out like, like this, like that, you know, so as a Californian, everything is like, I put like into it. <laughs> like totally. <laughs> like totally. You know, uh, it was, it was like spaghetti, <laughs> you know, so. Um, I can have one character usually who I will leave that in and that'll be apparently the Californian char character. And then I will like, I did it again. <laughs> it's just part of me. It's, I'm just sitting here enjoying this. Well, I, I almost said it again. <laughs> it's almost like the knights who say me, <laughs> but I do prefer to make my characters, I say I have to say this so carefully now, and not because of political reasons. I prefer to make my characters actually sound different and have. I cannot not say like. You they, they need to have unique voices that are not necessarily yours. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm a writer. I make the words pretty. <laughs> Another problem I seem to have is my characters are all very rational and I have to go back through and make some of them not at all rational, you know? Yeah. There's another thing I always say, you know, <laughs> but that, I, that's almost Canadian, you know? <laughs> eh? Eh? I picked that up too, eh? In Montreal. Yeah, I, I know I am addicted to competence porn. I love heroines who are smart, who can get out of a, of a sticky situation on their own, who don't need to be rescued. And that doesn't always work with romance because sometimes you do have readers who want to see kind of a, I wouldn't call them ditzy, but you know, so a, a nice heroine who needs to be rescued. And that just kind of makes my teeth grit. <laughs> and it's like and i clench and it's like oh, i can't do that but every so often I, I do have to kind of go back and you know give my my characters uh some realistic human qualities because they're not going to be able to fix everything you know, even though i wish i, I could but i can't yeah, so yeah. let's give them you know let's give them some some failings let's actually make them human i i i force them to make mistakes sometimes but you know i i do find especially as a father to daughters, the, uh, the female characters I write are usually very strong characters. And especially like the one I'm writing in my current work in progress, she like, there I went with the like again, <laughs> she takes the bull by the horns all the time. And she, she's not the protagonist, but she almost becomes the protagonist because she pushes him. I almost said it again. <laughs> she steers him into the right direction when she sees he's going the wrong way or hesitating. So she's a fun character. I y know they are. Yvonne, Yvonne Fong is her name. Cool name. <laughs> do, do you ever take, grab pictures off the internet of like, I don't know, hair models and stuff 
and stick them in your Scrivener. And then that's the character. And you just, you, you and, and you use that in your head to oh, picture yeah. them. Yeah. I've done, I've done that before. I don't always, but I have done it before. I find I, I, I do I, it more I, and more. I literally cast mine. I'm looking at a picture of the actor who inspired Sir Henry, my hero in, I'm sorry, my hero in um, Shadow of the Swan. I always do that because for me, because I, I think so cinematically, if I can see their pictures, I hear their voices in my head and that actually helps keep the dialogue in yeah. their character, you know, because I know how they speak. I know how they act and I can kind of frame my character around how they would behave and that helps me stay in line when I'm writing. Do you ever use someone you know, or at least part of them? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the heroine in my, my the no such thing as mermaids, she's actually 65% my first girlfriend. Oh, okay. That's cool. And it's funny. One of the re my friends who's reading the book, he actually um, sent me an IM. He says, I'm about a third of the way through your book and your female character is creeping me out. <laughs> The moment she started the, the Blair Witch stuff, I'm like, I, oh, uh, no. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're supposed to, you're supposed to, because she's a wild card, you know. I had to explain to him, it, that's not a bad thing. But I, mm -hmm. I think it might have turned him completely off. Um, yeah, I, I, port, I, there are no bad witches so far in any of my fantasies. They're all good witches. And all or, the Wiccans I know would love you for that. Well, I, and I know a lot of Wiccans. In fact, uh, I gave my book to a couple of them just recently. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. And one of them told me today that she's really loving it. So I'm like, okay, good. All right. Yeah. I, one of the characters in King of Blades, um, he is a very powerful mage. He's, he's an air mage. So he knows how to use the, the powers of air. And he is literally named after a friend's podcast name. And he is a combination of that friend and John Barrowman. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's what I try to do, too, is I try to make characters a composite of people that I know or a composite of, of people that I have known. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, but I think it, it eventually, it makes them more interesting too, because, uh, I mean, because everybody, you know, has, has their interesting little quirks, but if, you know, but if you just take them and write them as they are in real life, they may not be as, as interesting, <laughs> but if you add those things together from several different people, then you end up with some pretty interesting characters. And I, I have to, you know, I have problems the same as, as uh, some that you two have mentioned in that I tend to write my characters as me. <laughs> so yeah. I, have, I have to back off and I'll, I'll go and I'll change their, I'll change their gender or I'll, or I'll change something about them that makes them a lot less, you know, like me and, and, and go from there. But yeah. Also, you could give them catchphrases and things like that. Although you have to be careful to make sure it sounds natural. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I I think I've I've had to actually go back and delete some because I was reading it through going this isn't working. <laughs> this is not working. Do you ever uh, find you put snatches of conversation you've just heard into the dialogue that you're writing at that moment? 
or, or some sort of situation or something? I've done that. Um, pre COVID I used to write at a coffee shop every morning. Yeah. And, uh, and I got, I got some snatches of interesting conversation all the time and it's like, yep, that's going right in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was writing down at the bar, um, I, I'd go there like right, right. As uh, work ended, I could drive there and hit happy hour and it would pop up the iPad pro and I just start writing and order my beer. And there's all this great dialogue going around and I'm like, that's going in. Oh, what would he say? Oh, he's going to say that because that's what he just said. And she said that. So <laughs> I actually I, dedicated that book to that tavern. So I think writers are just naturally people watchers too. Cause you know, it's yeah. like, I love, you know, especially when I'm traveling, you know, like at airports and hotels and stuff like that. I just love sitting back and watching people. Um, you know, especially in different countries and from different parts of our country and stuff like yeah. that. I'm not, you know, I'm not familiar with because so many different uh, mannerisms and, and, and ways to talk. And, and it's just, it, it's just interesting. I, I always love, I mean, I, I still have vivid memories of complete strangers that I used to watch in passing back in like 1984. I remember there was this one girl at San Francisco state and I wasn't even going there. I was there with someone else and I watched her walking down the hall and she had this incredibly messy hair and just this like innocent mannerisms. And she's always stuck with me. So she ended up in one of my books. So, That's cool. Yeah. And she'll never know. I know. <laughs> I know. That they will never know. And so that's a warning for everybody. Be careful or you're going to end up in somebody's book. You know, <laughs> I saw a t-shirt that said something like that. Yeah. I've seen that too. That Those would be good t-shirts. Well, we're about at an hour. Should we start wrapping it up? I think we should. All right. Uh, Bill, anything you want to push or, or plug or, or, or warn people about or. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, just my new book uh, that's coming out from Audible Originals in uh, in December. Look for it. It's called Level Six. Nice. And, and Melanie, you go because I know oh. you got one. Oh yeah. Uh, well, Shadow of the Swan is still out there. It is doing extremely well. It is available on all ebook platforms as well as in print. My reprint, and remember, I write as Nicola M. Cameron. My reprint of my Olympic Cove book, Deep Water, is also out there, also now in print for the very first time. I have short stories that tie into both of them. If you go look on Amazon, you'll find them. And I will, oh, I have set up a pre-order now for King of Blades, which is the fourth book in my Two Thrones series. So that's on my website. Uh, and please go ahead and pre-order it because that makes my life much easier. I thought it made your life hell. <laughs> That too, but I, it makes it makes my bank account smile, and that's what's important these days. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, I have a one novel out. At, well, I got a bunch of novels out, but the late, latest one is called "No Such Thing as Mermaids." Uh, you could get it at Amazon in book or ebook format. I have no idea how well it's doing. I don't look at that stuff, um, but I should. <laughs> I'll put it that way. We'll talk later. Yeah, I know. Um, okay. What's your websites? Mine is, um, is William Ledbetter.com. 
Mine is NicolaCameron.com. And mine is JerryJDavis.com, of course, and it's being redone right now. <laughs> so, and with that, I was, I'm sorry, what? Oh, under construction. Well, it's, it's morphing. <laughs> so we'll say that. Uh, with that, I, I guess I'm going to click this button and uh, we'll say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And, and now we're all writing. <laughs> now I'm typing. <laughs> and and Bill's, Bill's playing the organ. That's me. What am I doing? You're clapping. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> hey, don't make me break out the trumpet. I'll play along. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Writer's Tavern. Remember, you can go visit us on the web at writerstavern.show and follow us on our Facebook page, which is at Writer's Tavern Podcast. Have to put the podcast part in there. Otherwise, you end up somewhere else. Hey, fellow writers. Jerry here again. One, thank you for listening all the way to the end, or at least pretending you did. Those of you who skipped ahead, we know who you are. Actually, no, we don't. <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, as promised, here's the discount code. Tavern. Yep, that's it. Tavern. You probably could have guessed that. <laughs> when you go and buy Scrivener for either Windows or Mac OS, just use that discount code and they knock 20% off the price. The offer is good until January 31st, 2021. So there you have it. Stay safe, friends, and keep writing.